Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it, episode 114 for the love of the game featuring a pick-me-up song. Let's get it. Uh, uh. Cause when my come in, they gotta use the scale that they weigh the whales with. Carlton's on the Jeep. Bugatti made the prototype. Hope you get the picture, but you just can't photo light. Determined, make it. Kicking down the door and we burning naked. The house costs a million. Sitting on the beach and the only thing I know with is furnished, I'ma take it. My bathtub lift up, my walls do a 360. We got this shit that the government got. Talking money, then you rubbing the spot. Real, you say that they be wildin'. On the Cayman Islands, on the yacht with our favorite albums. A bad when the plate is salmon. You thinking that our fate is valid? I love my for the fact that he real, and nobody on the back of be square. What? And if you facing capital pun, pass me a and I'ma give you time to run while I rapidly peel. We gon' make it. We gon' make it. We gon' make it. What is up, everybody? Episode 114 for the love of the game. And you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little hoarse. I was at Madison Square Garden last night, game one, Atlanta Hawks against the New York Knicks. And um, that was a kick in the pants. That was a kick in the pants. First of all, let's just start off that it felt good to feel something again. It felt good to have those emotions, to have that angst, to have that, that almost like nausea, that, that, that those cold sweats of nervousness watching a basketball game and really caring about it. Haven't felt that way about the New York Knicks in a long, long time. So as Matthew McConaughey said in Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, he said uh, something along the lines of, you'd rather be able to feel that pain and get your heart ripped out than to feel no pain at all. You'd rather be able to feel that pain seven days a week and twice on Sunday. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like to be in the building last night. And let me tell you, the garden was rocking. The garden was absolutely rocking. The crowd was there early. I got there about 6.15. Everybody was already there, 15,000 strong. I didn't see more than five Atlanta Hawks fans in the entire place. And honestly, If I was an Atlanta Hawks fan, I would have been scared to enter that building. You know, Knicks faithful and the Knicks fam was out and about last night, but it it was an unbelievable atmosphere. It was something I'll never forget in terms of an experience, but man, was that a kick in the dick in terms of a loss. Like it really was. Uh, There's so many things to go through. We'll start with the good. I mean, Alec Burks, Derek Rose. And Emmanuel quickly, the Knicks would have been absolutely dead without them, especially Alec Burks. He scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. What a performance from him on a night where Julius Randle was 2020 Julius Randle and worse. He was absolutely dreadful. Alec Burks almost single-handedly won in the game along with Derrick Rose. Quickly had unbelievable minutes. R.J. Barrett looks like a guy who he didn't even play great but he looks like a guy who wants it. Like he wasn't scared and he had a a stretch in the third quarter where it looked like he was going to ignite the Knicks to a win punctuated by that monster throwdown he had on the break where I thought the the place was going to explode. I I thought the place was going to come crumbling to a fall and uh, sitting in section 10, that would have been curtains for your boy, but yeah, that was, that was an unbelievable moment, but RJ looks like he's about that life. Quickly, another young guy, not scared. Obi Toppin came in and gave them good minutes. So the, even in a game where they got nothing from Reggie Bullock, as I mentioned, Julius Randle, who was six for 24 and was just dreadful, even though he hit a big three in the fourth quarter, but he was dreadful all night. The decision-making was terrible. Everything he did was basically terrible. On a night where they shot about 20% from the field in the first quarter I mean the jitters were out you know they stayed in the game they stayed in the game they fought so the sky isn't falling sky isn't falling for the Knicks I'll say this a couple of things one the pick and roll defense of Trey Young was atrocious I mean he carved them up all night 
you can't play drop pick and roll with these guys. And, and this was a theme that you saw throughout the NBA yesterday, because in the uh, double header afterwards with the Utah jazz, who've been playing drop pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, who's going to win defensive player of the year, which I don't think he should win defensive player of the year, but with a guy talented as Trey young and as talented as Morant, Morant is not nearly the three point shooter that Trey young is. You get the, you, you can't let them turn the corner and play drop because when the in-between game happens, he, he Trey Young either had the float game going, either had a lob, or he was able to generate some bullshit foul call, which was, we'll get to that in a second. But you can't let him turn the corner. The big, I, I expect this to happen in game two. First of all, you got to force him left, all right? I, I don't know how many times he was able to turn the corner going right. It, it was just absurd to me. It was absurd. You got to force him left. And the, and if he's going to go right and be stubborn about going right, the big has got to be all the way up, whether that's Nerlens Noel, hopefully he's ready to go in game two because the Knicks are already thin on the front line. I mean, Taj Gibson battled his ass off, but he's only six, eight. Clint Capella is just a little too long and he hurt them on the offensive glass, even though Taj battled his ass off, as I just said, but, the big is going to have to show, or and sometimes you're going to have to switch. And you can't double off Bogdanovich because Bogdanovich is about that life. If it's DeAndre Hunter, I know he hit a big three in the fourth quarter. I get it. But if it's DeAndre Hunter, Tony Snell, or John Collins shooting threes, so be it. You'll live. And by the way, Gallinari, Danilo Gallinari, you can add him to that mix because you want him shooting threes. So that's a that's an adjustment I think the Knicks sh- – have to make and and I believe that they will make in the in game two and the other thing is just and for the most part Tibbs can't really argue with the coaching that he's done I know it's a little iso Randall sometimes at the most part uh the rotations last night were good it was 32 minutes for RJ I mean he let quickly play and you know when when quickly had it going he he trusted quickly for like two, a two to three minute stretch in the fourth quarter to give Derrick Rose a blow because they know we don't want to exhaust Derrick Rose. He can't play Derrick Rose 40 minutes. You, you really want to limit him to about 35. So the fact that he trusts quickly the way he does and quickly showed the cojones that he ain't scared is good. But now you have the full boat, right? You got quickly, you have Rose, you have Alec Burks to handle the ball. There can be absolutely zero Alfred Payton minutes. Zero. None. I'm not talking about the first four minutes of each half. None. They lose the Payton minutes every damn game. So it's enough for him. Enough. And I know Mark Berman of the New York Post asked Tibbs about if Payton was going to start. He basically gave a nebulous answer, which is good because... Before the game started, he said that Alfred Payton was his guy. No more. No mas. You cannot be going down and losing minutes in playoff games automatically because one guy on the court is so pitiful that it puts you in a hole. Can't have it. You absolutely can't have it. it it's so aggravating. And, and the garden crowd just, just knew it. And they groaned every time he was in the game. I mean, it was the start of the third quarter, and he took a pull-up jump shot from the foul line, and everybody's just groaning, ugh, and he had no chance of going in. And guess what? It didn't go in. Later, like a couple of moments later, or it might have even been before, he drives to the basket. We know it's not going in. The, the drive has no chance to go in, and guess what? Didn't come close to going in. You just can't play him. He's unplayable, and if you need those – eight to 10 minutes. I'd rather Frank Nilakina get those eight to 10 minutes. And I know people are going to say Frank got cooked by Trey Young in the, in the last possession. He did. It was a great move. What, whatever, but it's something different. All right. It, it's hard to bring in a defensive specialist to play basically two plays end of the first half and the end of the second half for the final 10 seconds each time. All right. Let Frank get a little, little run, a little something, a little sweat before you bring him in and expect him to guard Trey Young. But those are the adjustments I expect the Knicks to make going forward. Ryan Rosillo, I listened to him earlier today. He kind of talked me off the ledge. I mean, I don't think Julius Randle could be that bad. I, it was probably insane jitters from him. It was his first ever playoff game. I know Reggie Bullock probably had the jitters also. 
A lot of the guys had the jitters in the first half. I should say the first quarter, but the sky isn't falling. But man, on a night where Randall was so bad and a night where Trey Young was so great, to the fact that they almost got that win and had the win. They had the win. If R.J. Barrett comes up with that steal with about a minute left and they're up three, which led to a Bogdanovich heave three at the end of the at the end of the shot clock, that was just a backbreaker. If Barrett steals that ball, odds are the Knicks are gonna win. That was one moment. And the second moment was that where the Knicks really squandered it was they have an unbelievable third quarter. Unbelievable third quarter. It was a miracle that they were only down two going into the half. They have an unbelievable third quarter. They're up by seven points. And Randall had two terrible possessions. And Lou Williams hits a three. Lou Williams gets a layup. And it's a two-point game going into the fourth quarter. If they get one good possession there, it's a totally different ballgame. They had a chance to extend the lead. Just gross. But, yeah, it was it was absolutely heartbreaking. A heart heartbreaking loss. It is what it is. This team has been resilient all year. There's no reason to believe that they won't be. I, I still think they have the coaching advantage here. Nate McMillan has never won a playoff series as an NBA head coach. I don't expect it to happen now. I still think the Knicks are going to win the series, but that one really hurt. Really, really hurt. But it's time to put on your big boy pants, strap up, lock in. It's time to get game two. A couple of notes from yesterday's action. Uh, Sunday slate, which happened to have been a great game. Just uh, some high-level thoughts. Tobias Harris, I know he gets a lot of crap for the contract that he signed, but there have been times this year where he's bailed out Philly defensively. And Philly was never really in a, I mean, offensively. And Philly was never really in a position that they're, they're really in danger. They kind of like slept walk through this one. But Tobias Harris made a bunch of big shots yesterday, a bunch of big shots. And if he's not doing that, I mean, they could have easily lost. Ben Simmons seemed to be in an enigma yesterday. I know he rebounded great, dished out 15 assists, but he can't be scoring six points in a playoff game. I, I just think Philly kind of was like, eh, Washington, eh. But when Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook are going, and I know Westbrook had three bad turnovers in the end of the fourth quarter. But when they're going, like, they're tough. So Philly can't really be sleepwalking through that. So it's something to keep an eye on. But shout out to Tobias Harris because he played great yesterday and has been really, really good for them all year. And, yeah, the contract's a little gross, and they didn't need to make that trade when they made it. But he's a, he's a quality player, quality, quality player who's really helped the Sixers be really, really good this year. Game two, Lakers-Suns. Man, I'm right a lot on this show. And yesterday was just proof positive that I was right again about Anthony Davis. How many playoff games is this guy going to be a damn no-show in where people are going to start getting the hint? I know he's one of the three most talented players in the league, arguably, but the guy is soft as baby shit, all right? He's soft as baby shit. DeAndre Ayton's a good player. Not a great player, a good player. But DeAndre Ayton bodied him all day in his first ever playoff game. Anthony Davis is supposed to be a superstar. He is a fraud. The most overrated player in the league, all right? He was terrible yesterday, absolutely terrible. And, of course, after every little nick, he falls down and acts like he got shot like his buddy LeBron. We'll get to him in a second. But, man, Anthony Davis just – just dreadful, absolutely dreadful yesterday. And the Lakers, a lot of the Lakers fans were complaining about the defense on Devin Booker. Why aren't you doubling Devin Booker? Well, Devin Booker, they tried to double him and it didn't matter because he absolutely cooked them all day. And the game where Chris Paul was hurt, hurt his shoulder, we'll see what happens with him the rest of the series, if he's able to get back to full strength and be able to give it a go because I don't, even with how bad the Lakers look sometimes, I don't think the Lakers are going to lose the series if Chris Paul isn't healthy. But man, man, that was an impressive win for Phoenix and just Anthony Davis, another no-show. Like, he's not a top 10 player in the league. He's just not. And Laker fans who are all excited about Anthony Davis, and yeah, they won a title last year, but make no mistake, it was LeBron steering the ship. LeBron's getting older. And when LeBron eventually retires and you're stuck with Anthony Davis, nobody else, guess what? That's 30 to 35 wins and the lottery. Anthony Davis can't carry a franchise. He just can't. 
And now to his buddy LeBron, his his sidekick. Like, enough with the antics with this guy. How, like, for a guy who's as great as he is, the antics are just out of control, right? I saw something on Twitter yesterday. It's like, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant made you believe that they were never hurt. LeBron always makes you believe that he's injured. He's another guy. Every little thing, it's like he got shot. You saw it in the poked in the eye game against, uh, in the playing game against Golden State, where he was like, I'm seeing three baskets. Like, shut up, dude. Shut up. Stop being such a drama queen, you loser. He's not a loser, but you know what I'm saying here. And yesterday, just the flopping all over the place, like the loose ball fell on Chris Paul that like sent him sprawling to the floor. I mean, was there a sniper in the building? No, it's just LeBron being a pansy ass loser. All right. Enough with him. Enough with your antics. Aside from the antics, as for LeBron's play, I mean, he got off to a quick start, scored eight points in the first four minutes of the first quarter and then only scored 10 points the rest of the game. And he just he looked a, a combination of disinterested uh looked like he wasn't moving well who who knows but if, if he's not going to be moving great and the lebron of old I, I like phoenix to win this series i know i picked the lakers in seven but i like phoenix to win this series and hopefully they do win because i hate this lakers team i hate lebron and his loser antics i hate anthony davis and how everybody thinks he's as greater than he is can't stand them so let's go phoenix i'm rooting for phoenix um Talked about the Knicks. And one last shout out before we get into a special guest. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Knicks. We're going to talk about the Rangers because they made some headlines uh, with, the, again, a recurring guest, a very special recurring guest. But the Memphis Grizzlies, the team that nobody wanted them in the playoffs. All right. They played the Spurs in a playing game. No one cared to watch that game. That was like the forgotten game. And then they played Golden State. Everybody wants Steph Curry in the playoffs. I want Steph Curry in the playoffs. And Memphis goes in and takes care of business. And then I know there was no Mike Connolly. I should say no Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz. And that's a whole nother uh, can of worms. He warmed up. Was he going to play? He was not going to play. Now reports say today he's mad at the team for how they handled it. Who knows what the situation is. But Memphis came in and, and kicked butt. Dylan Brooks was incredible. And I know Dylan Brooks can be a frustrating guy. He's an I got this guy who shouldn't necessarily be an I got this guy, but he plays so damn hard. He plays so hard and he's physical and he's tough. And John Morant was tremendous. John Morant was absolutely tremendous. If Donovan Mitchell's not going to be back, then I don't think Utah's going to win the series. I think Memphis is going to win the series. And you saw it again last night. Rudy Gobert. Everybody loves Rudy Gobert. The advanced stats love Rudy Gobert, right? Rudy Gobert, 13 All-NBA lock for a center. Last night showed you again why Rudy Gobert is not one of the 15 best players in the league. Because if you're one of the 15 best players in the league, it's time for you to get, you know, put the team on your back and win a game. And he's not capable of doing that. And not only that, Jonas Valanciunas, a guy who's been maligned, by the advanced uh, stats community, a uh, guy who, you know, everybody says they're phasing centers out of the game. And that's partially true. And Valanciunas is an old school center, but Valanciunas dominated Rudy Gobert, right? He put him underneath the basket and you could talk about foul trouble and a couple of ticky-tack fouls. And believe me, there were ticky-tack fouls in the Knicks game. But Valanciunas absolutely dominated Rudy Gobert. And it's just, again, I don't get the Rudy Gobert thing. That's why I never bought Utah as a playoff contender because if Rudy Gobert is your second best player who's making $40 million a year, you ain't winning shit, all right? You're just not. So, yeah, one last thing before we get into tonight's guests. NBA officiating. Guys, guys, what are we doing here, all right? What are we doing? You got to let the players play. You got to let the players play. There's going to be more physicality in an NBA playoff game. Let it slide. What happened at the end of the Knicks-Hawks game, and to an extent the Utah-Memphis game, was gross, all right? The call that Trey Young got, the shooting foul on R.J. Barrett, driving left, 
Barrett's putting his arms up and because Trey, who for some stupid reason gets officiated like he's a 10-time All-Star and on a Hall of Fame trajectory, I don't understand where he gets off getting the respect from the referees that he gets. This flopping nonsense, whether it's that or backing up into people, you got to let that shit slide, all right? Let the players play. It was ridiculous. And no, that's not why the Knicks lost, but it's just frustrating. It's something to keep an eye on. Uh, throughout the, the Knicks series and the playoffs at large, because unfortunately the refs dictate a lot of what happens in these games, a lot of the outcomes. But anyway, those are a couple of NBA notes. Knicks fans, we're not down and out. There's no reason to feel down and out, even though yesterday was a stomach punch loss. Let's be resilient. The team has been resilient all year, as I mentioned before. Let's get game two, one game at a time. With that said, let's bring on one of my favorite recurring guests in just a matter of moments. So I teased it before. I'm taking a little bit of a break. It's going to come up later on in conversation, but we're going to put a, the NBA playoffs specifically with the Knicks a little bit on the back burner for a second. I have on a recurring guest, one, a very, very, very special recurring guest. It's my Uncle Mark calling in uh, from Israel. Uncle Mark, what's good, bud? Everything's good. Everything's good. So I know the Knicks are all the rage in New York, um, but the New York Rangers the, made some news. I think it's uh, the Nets, by the way. I think it's the Nets that's the, the team that's going to win. But No one cares about the Nets in this town. No one cares and no, the Nets are not going to win. But we're not talking about the Nets. And we'll talk about the Knicks maybe a little bit later, but we got to talk about the Rangers. The Rangers made uh, a little bit of news last couple of weeks. They fired GM. Uh, Jeff Gordon, they fired President John Davidson. Moves that I think were a little surprising, but maybe not so surprising. What were your initial thoughts when you saw the headline that they uh, were going in a different direction? Um, <laughs> I I was uh, I was a bit surprised. Um, you know, it, it seemed like they were on the they were you know really doing a great job, professional job. Um, but the more I kind of read about it and the more I thought about it, you know, it's all right. I, you know, I think the, 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 uh, the way I, I, um, I look at it, the firings is like, um, when the Yankees replaced, uh, um, they had, uh, Schulwerther as their manager in 1995 and, uh, they thought they got as much as they could out of him and they replaced him with Joe Torrey and they wound up, you know, going on the run of winning, uh, four championships in five years. So I think that, um, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, look, the guys, uh, Groton in particular, more than, uh, more than JD, he really did an incredible job of re, you know, stocking their farm system and getting them some really great, um, young talent. Uh, it's hard to know whether or not all those guys will pan out. Some of them may be trade traded. Um, you know, they have about you know, if you look at their prospects, they have like, I don't know, like 15 guys in the minors that are that are slated to eventually be, you know, prospects. So, you know, you can't play all those guys. Uh, Davidson, I think, was a great hire, um, you know, because he was the voice of the Rangers and, uh, you know, really beloved. But, you know, he built, uh, I guess he built Columbus. He, he did an okay job with St. Louis, but neither of those teams won. They had respectability. And I think that that's what he had, like a maturity to him. Whether or not, you know, they could have taken them to the next level, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, and as far as Quinn getting, uh, getting fired, um, I think he would have been a great coach at Hartford at, uh, in the minors. I think he did a great job with uh, the young guys and uh, held them accountable and taught them how to play like in the professionals. Uh, but again, you know, they, they, they often came out flat as a team uh, in the games that they had to win. They, they didn't, they didn't perform well. Um, you know, last year against Carolina, I thought that they really were a disappointment. Yep. And um, you know, sometimes you got to go in a different direction. I don't think it takes anything away from him. I think he's a good coach. He seems like a really nice guy. He's the kind of guy you want to be friends with. Um, just not sure if he was the guy that they were going to win with. So the Quinn, the Quinn firing made sense to me uh, for all the reasons you just listed. But the, the front office firings, don't you think it was like a year too soon 
especially since they've acquired, you know, they had the top pick, you know, top two picks last two years in the draft. Kako is drafted number two overall. Everybody said that, you know, if you had to do the draft again, you know, you were going to make that pick. He was the consensus number two that year. Uh, Lafreniere this year. I mean, they, they got Adam Fox. They got all these young guys. Fox is going to be, a, who's arguably one of the three best defensemen in the league right now. Uh, you can make the case, but don't you think that the GM uh, and the front office deserved another year to try and package some things like, and, and I know the Rangers kind of got a little unlucky this year with the, uh, with the COVID season and the way their division kind of broke out because they had the hardest division, right? They had the hardest division. If it was any other year, they would have been a playoff team and maybe they don't, maybe these firings don't happen. Maybe this change doesn't happen. So don't you think the front office got a little bit of of a uh, the short end of the stick in a sense where it was just maybe a year too soon uh well i think it's a business and i think that they uh you know from dolan's point of view you know missing the playoffs was a significant uh financial hit for the for the team uh, i think he might have thought that they were going in that direction you know that they would make the playoffs or at least when they were playing well they probably had the assumption that they were on track and that they uh you know he thought that they, if they, you know, rightfully so, if they would have, if they would have performed at the end of the year, uh, they, they had a chance to make the playoffs. Um, um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if maybe Groton took them as far as he could go with what he had. And uh, maybe, you know, I kind of have the opinion that he probably wanted to fire Groton and JD said no. And he said, well, if you don't fire him, you're gone too. And, you know, like, I think that that's probably the way it worked because the president is, uh, you know, the, the GM reports of the president, they had some such system. You know, I think uh, as we all know about what we know publicly about James Dolan is he's enamored with certain people who he listens to. And, uh, you know, if I was JD and, uh, and Groton, I would not be too friendly with, uh, with Glenn Sather going forward because he probably stuck the knife in their backs uh, and said, no, we can go, we can get better. Um, you know, that being said, you know, when they got beaten up by Washington and they got destroyed by the Islanders in those games, you know, you have to wonder with all the good that they were doing, uh, you know, with the roster, if the guys weren't willing to make the change and it sounded like from, you know, what you were hearing from them that they were going to keep on riding the, the young guys and give it one more year to develop without making significant changes, you know, bringing in some veterans, bringing in some, uh, some, some tougher power forwards then, uh, you know, maybe he made the right decision at this stage. You know, they need to, they need to get, they need to get tougher and they need to get bigger. Um, and they need to play a little bit, uh, a little bit more um, like the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, if uh, the two, in my opinion, the two best, you know, the, the Bruins got, got, have some of the best players, you know, you have uh, Bergeron, who I think is the best center in hockey, notwithstanding, you know, McDavid, but I just think he's an incredible player. And, uh, you know, you got a guy like Marchand who just is like this hated guy, but he always scores goals and he always makes big hits and he's always in there. And, um, you know, you can punch him in the face and he just keeps on coming back. And then you see a guy like Tom Wilson, who's just a big bully, uh, but he scores goals and he plays really well. And, um, you know, the Rangers just don't have anybody like that. And in order, I think, to get to the next level, they need, a, they need one or two guys like that. Didn't seem like the uh, J.D. Groton uh, front office was willing to go that direction. They were much more into, um, you know, more skilled players who were going to play in the, in, the, in the middle and carry the puck. So I think that that's where it came from. I'm not sure if it was good. I'm not sure it was bad. I just think that I understand the thinking. Well, that's where, that's where hockey seems to be going, though, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to phase even guys like Tom Wilson out because whether you think he's a goon or not, I mean, he definitely has goonish tendencies. I mean, we saw what happened in the incident against the Rangers. He has goonish tendencies. I don't think the NHL wants that in the game anymore. Like they want it to be a speed well, up I, and down the ice game. I think if they didn't want him in the game, they wouldn't have fined him $5,000 and not suspended him. I mean, obviously he's not going, I mean, you know, like everything you read, like it, you know, every team wants Tom Wilson. If he was, if he was put no, on no waivers, question. like uh, if he was put on waivers like D'Angelo, I don't think he'd get. Uh, I don't think he'd go unclaimed. Um, 
I think I think they they do need a little bit more toughness. I think they need to uh, you know watching the games, it did seem that uh, the bigger teams would just intimidate them. Um, the Islanders certainly completely intimidated them. You know when Trouba went out in that game, it was like the game was over. And then in the second game when um, Lingering went out, you know then they you know all their all their defensemen were like under six foot. Um, yeah. Even the new guy they got this guy from um, UMass Jones. I mean, he's like 5'11". You can't really win with guys who are only 5'11 playing defense. And, uh, you know, it's one thing if you have one guy like Adam Fox, but if you have like three of them, it's going to be hard to compete. Do you, um, think the Island, do you think the Islanders' losses were really the nail in the coffin for the regime? Or was it, or was it the, uh, if you had to pick one, or was it the, uh, the Tom Wilson incident and the fact that they just got, you know, manhandled by a guy and, and it didn't seem like they were tough enough to stand their ground, even though the Wilson thing was a dirty play and, and, and it's garbage. It's garbage that they only find them $5,000. Um, well, look, it was the, the two Islanders and then the Wilson thing happened all, and then he got, and then the firings happened. So I, I have to imagine that they were all related. I mean, going into the Islanders series, those two games, they, you know, they, they were, they were legitimately had a chance to, to yeah. make the playoffs. Um, you know, granted, they were very shorthanded. They had lost a lot of guys to injury. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it was probably, I think that that sequence of events probably put them in a position where they, they uh, the upper management or the, the ownership said, you know, it's time to go in a different direction. I'm not sure why he did it at that point. He could have waited a week and it would have been less of a, like a disaster. But, you know, that's. Who knows what the, the, the mind of a billionaire, how they think. Um, so that, that transitions us nicely because uh, James Dolan, as you mentioned, gets to be enamored with certain people. You saw him do this with the Knicks for years, right? And it never, ever, ever worked out. And the thing was, is that he basically stopped doing that with the Knicks this year. He let Leon and Wes do their thing. Best season in eight years, right? He traditionally never medals with the Rangers. Now he's getting himself involved a little bit. As Ranger fans, how worried should we be that the classic Nick stink of James Dolan is now going to translate to the Rangers by him constantly meddling in Rangers activity? I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, he, 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 the reason why he's not talking about the Knicks anymore is because he's comfortable with the guys that are running the Knicks. Um, and they're his, you know, these are the guys that he picked. If you remember, everybody was against the guys that he picked for the Knicks. Not one person. I wasn't said, against oh, Leon Rose hiring. Uh, most people said, Oh, an agent, how are you going to get an agent? This makes no sense. So I think that, you know, maybe this time, maybe Drury's the guy and he'll have some authority. I, I assume that Sather has a lot of authority. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how much behind the scene role Messier has, you know, thankfully he's not going to be the coach. Um, but you never know what he's saying there, uh, behind the scenes. Um, none of those guys I'm sure are on the, uh, the party list for Jeff Gordon. He's not inviting them to the bar mitzvahs. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, um, I don't think Dolan will get too involved. I mean, I think that they'll want to move in a direction of mi or more of a mix between um, veterans and, and young players. I think that you'll definitely see them go out and get one or two veterans, uh, especially like grinding kind of tough guy veterans. Uh, tough but wasn't guys. Chris Kreider supposed to be that guy? Uh, you know, he's still a skilled player. He's still a guy that goes up and down the ice very fast. Um, you know, he's not a he's not a. Yeah, he he's is. A big, he's a big body. He's a big body who yeah. throws his weight around. Yeah, and I think he's an up and down player. You know, I think he's great on the third line. I think that's where he should be um, at this point. Um, they paid a lot of money for him, but I think he gives them stuff that 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 other players on the team didn't give him. Uh, he was also out at the end of the year, so that yeah. hurt them. Uh, I never liked that Kreider contract. I just thought it was. I, I just never saw the appeal. Right. It, Either he's going to be paid like a, you know, a big time goal scorer, or then he's just like another guy who's throwing his weight around. I just thought that contract, even with the, the cap sheet 
that the Rangers have that seems to be pretty good. I just thought that his number is going to hamper them going forward. Um, I don't know. I think he, I think he, the, the young guys really like him. And I think the, that he plays with a, a certain edge that uh, the others don't. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think the bigger thing is what are you going to do about, uh, you know, I would personally now trade Strom. You know, he's kind of like, he's had two good years and I think he's got some value for people. I, I, you know, I, I'm like mixed on him. Um, I think Panarin is a great player. Uh, Zabanajek is a great player. I like Lafreniere. I like Kako. I like uh, Hedo. But they got to get some more guys who who are um, who are who are mentally tougher. I think those guys get shut down right away. You so know, who's you your ideal them. target? Who's your ideal target if uh, of people who are available, players who are available? Who, I haven't really looked who's available, but, you know, um, I think a guy, uh, they talk about this uh, Russian guy in Florida um, who's a big guy. Uh, I forget what his name is. Um, I'd like Tom Wilson. If we can get Tom Wilson, um, he'd be good. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be hard. I think, I think if you keep on – you know, you put another, you know, this guy Barron from uh, Cornell, if he comes up and plays on the, on the fourth line um, and you kind of like mix in the guys slowly, there's going to be the guy Lundqvist, the, the defenseman from Sweden. He's probably going to come back, come in and play. I don't know how Jones is going to make it. I honestly don't know. He's so he's a small guy and we already have Adam Fox. You know, it's like kind of like duplicity and on, on, on getting him there. So I, I don't know who's going to how they're going to do it. I. I don't think the change is something, you know, now that it's happened like two and a half weeks ago, I don't think it's something that's so radical at this point. That's so crazy uh, when it first happened that you thought, you know, you really thought that JD and Groton were going to be there for the next 20, you know, until JD decided to hang it up, but he's 70 years old. So uh, I, I expected once the Rangers fired him that he would, that he would uh, just hang it up, but he went and took the Columbus job. So I don't know. I, I don't know how much of a difference at this stage it makes. I think developing the players uh, is important and figuring out who you're going to trade to get to the next level. I mean, they haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1994. Um, you know, they've won one Stanley Cup since uh, 1940. Two Stanley Cup, 1940 to now. It's a, it's a long time. I think they need to they need to go for it a little bit more. Ranger fans are a low-key tortured fan fan base i mean you you just spelled it out it's it's not pretty so you mentioned mark messier obviously you don't want messier as the coach so who 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 do you want who's your pick i think if i was about the guys that they're talking about that are out there i, I like uh Brindamore from from carolina if he becomes available uh, i think they're a really good team if you look at those guys um you know they're they're the type of team i think they're exciting they're young there's a mix they play tough uh, they obviously they destroyed the Rangers last year and they're they're doing okay now in the playoffs. Um, you know this guy Gallant that they say is uh, the guy he took Vegas and 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 Florida. Um, you know I don't I don't want Tortorelli. I think he's just too uh, toxic. Enough with uh, that already. That's a retread. No 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 more of that. Yeah, but he they he they were really good on under Tortorelli. You know he was he brought them back to to being a really good team. Um, I don't know. They're talking about uh, what's his name, uh, Patrick Waugh. You know, he'd have a little bit of fire, but I don't really know anything about him as a coach. Um, I know he likes. I know he likes to yell and scream, and sometimes he'll get thrown out of a game, which I don't think is such a bad thing from time to time. Right. Um, you know, if 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 the the Penguins fire Mike Sullivan, I would that would be the call. I I think he's he's a great coach. Why would Pittsburgh do that? Just because they need a new voice and he's been there too long? Well, if they lose to the Islanders, um, you know, it's been a long time. But, uh, you know, maybe. But Brindamore also shouldn't get fired. But if he does or they don't pick him up. Yeah, I mean, Barry Trotz is a great coach. You know, he knows how to coach. But uh, he's know, not going anywhere right now. Yeah, I think I think they'll I think they'll wind up getting someone that that breathes a little bit of more more life i think quinn was also it was he was so mellow um you know the team played very mellow i think that that's one of the things that I, if i would look at uh and say you know why was you know it just seemed too mellow for the team they didn't come out with any fire ever 
seems to be a problem. Seems to be a problem, especially in a in a sport like hockey, where it's like, you know, it's you, you like to mix it up. It's it's a it's a physical game as much as the NHL wants it to be even more of a skilled game than it is. Right. So uh, so who do you are, are the keepers on the roster, right? Because we the Rangers have assembled a whole bunch of young talent, as we as we outlined before. Some of them may be shipped in trade. Some of them may not even have a chance to uh, to really develop because they're just, you know, being blocked by guys on the roster. So if you had to pick three keepers, right, of the under 24 crowd, who are your three keepers? Three, well, obviously Fox. and uh, He's Fox. number one. Yeah, uh, I think Lafreniere is actually number one. I think Fox is number two and uh, probably Kako is number three. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but Lingren is just as, yeah, I, I think Lingren is, is up there as well. I really like Lingren. Tough guy. So, but, you know, somebody's, if you're going to look to get a, a real difference maker, right? And, and would yeah. you, and the difference maker, are, are you talking like, do you, would you rather a forward? Would you rather a defenseman? If, if you're well, targeting think, like a, a, a blue chip guy. I think that they're, um, I think that they're, um, I think that they're, uh, they, they're pretty stacked in defense. They got this kid coming up from Western Canada. I think his name is Shiner or something like that. And they got this kid Lundquist. And um, I think that those, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty solid on defense. So um, you'd, you'd be targeting a forward, like a, yeah, a real blue chip forward. I think they need to get uh, a little better up front. I think they need to get a little stronger, a little better up front. All right. It's going to be interesting what they do. They have, they have a a pretty decent looking cap sheet. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. So, uh, you know, I, I, we said we weren't going to talk about it, but you, you just a couple of Nick's thoughts from you, somebody who's, uh, you know, watching from afar a little bit. Uh, It's been the first time in eight years since they're in the playoffs. Uh, just some thoughts, especially after um, last night's game. Well, honestly, I could barely watch the two and a half minute highlights on NBA.com of, of professional basketball because I think it's just so horrible. Um, but anybody that I hope anybody but LeBron wins, um, that's first off. And um, obviously, uh, he is the most detestable player that I, that I, uh, from my opinion, he's the most detestable player. But you know, when you see him shoot like a 36 foot three pointer with, you know, nothing but net and, you know, clearly not a chuck the other night, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, to imagine that he's going to lose. Um, I, I think that, look, the Knicks are a bunch of guys, uh, you know, I like RJ Barrett, you know, he seems like a really solid guy. Um, it's painful for me to watch uh, Randall. You know, he just, it, it's just painful. All he does is dribble and make these silly moves and, you know, but he's shooting well. Um, Not last night. He yeah. turned back into 2020 Julius Randle, which I, I didn't really appreciate. OB Topin, uh, you know, I, I imagine he'll get a little bit better next year. Uh, I still can't believe that their guard play is so poor, you know, uh, and these guys are playing, but, you know, I guess, he, coach Tibbs is a good coach and, and they're playing good defense and Barrett is really, you know, he really, he's legit. His pick is now legit. You know, you wouldn't uh, necessarily trade him for anybody that was picked after him right now. I don't think. Um, no. Nope. So I think that he's doing a good job. Um, I don't, I don't know if they'll beat uh, Atlanta. Um, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, Trey young is really good. He's really good, and they don't seem to have anybody that can guard him. Um, well, they're going to have to do some things on the pick and roll coverage. Um, as I mean, as they they just get the the big is going to have to double. You, you you can't let him just turn the corner and play drop because then he's in that in between zone, right, where he has the floater, or he's going to flop and get some goofy ass foul call, which I can't stand. Or he, or it's a lob, or a kick to the corner. You can't double off Bogdanovich in the weak side corner. That's that's not an option, right? So, so the big's going to really have to show, or even switch. And and uh, I, I don't know, you know, the Knicks haven't really been playing that kind of switching pick and roll defense. But you're going to have to do something because you can't just let him turn the corner. You can't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said before, I think the Nets are the team that's coming out of the East. 
I think really uh, so you so you're like 100 percent convinced on on the nets even the okay. fact that yeah yeah i who who's gonna beat them i who? think milwaukee and philly can both beat them they didn't they played milwaukee twice without even i, I think they only had one of the three and and they they nearly beat them both times i don't know if those guys are if those guys are playing well and they're they're meshing and they're all healthy I don't know, and you got Blake Griffin playing much better. I don't know who's. Gonna, I don't. I don't see anybody beating them. I think that they're going to be. I don't know. I really, I, I'm surprised about Philadelphia. I mean, Embiid is playing, you know, out of his mind, and so is uh, Simmons. But well, Simmons had a rough offensive game last night, yesterday. But he, you know, did all the other stuff: rebounding, passing the ball. But they're going to need more him to score a little bit more. They can't get away with him scoring six points. Right. But remember when Harden was the only one of the three of them, he was amazing just by himself. And uh, then you put him and NKD. I mean, it's going to be like, it's going to be like three on three. I mean, it's just going to be unbelievable. Those guys can do whatever they want and they're playing pretty good defense. So I think that they're, I think they're going to come out. I think you're going to see a parade down whatever Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. I think they're, they're going to win it all. Gross. Gross. I think also out of the West, I think, um, I think that uh, Portland could come out of the West. Interesting. Make the case. Why? They're a great team. Just a great team. Very hard to guard. And nobody guards anymore. So very hard to guard. I mean, Lillard is, is I think he's the best. I think he's the best guard in basketball. I think he's better than Curry. Really? He's amazing. Yeah. Better than Curry? I think Curry's great, but Lillard, he's, he's just as good, I think. And he's a little tougher. He goes to the hole better. And he's I don't know. From 50 feet, just like, uh, just like, I, I just think he's, he's fun to watch. There are, there are little things that Curry does off the ball in terms of relocating when he gives it up that like Dame just doesn't do. He, he's just not, once he gives the ball up, he's not as much of a threat. He just stands. He doesn't have the, the little nuances that Curry has. That, that's what separates Curry to me. From everybody. I think Curry's the best player in basketball right now. I mean, besides Luca, who's a better guard right now in uh, in the West than, than Lillard? Well, Curry. I mean, but he's out. But he, no, in the playoffs. Um, no, yeah. I mean, it's those it's those two. It's those right. two. I, I mean, I, you, what's can make the, you can make the Chris Paul case. Yeah, he's hurt now. He's 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 hurt. His shoulder's done. He can't. I don't know. He came back and played. I mean, yeah, but I don't think he's going to take over a game like Lewis. No, no, it's, it's, it's different. It's different with him. And the guy, uh, Jamal Murray is hurt. You know, Donovan Mitchell is hurt. He didn't play last night. So uh, I I just think Lillard is really good. I think they have a shot to come out. Um, They have a pretty easy, they have a pretty easy draw. Also, where do they get the Suns after this? Who are they playing? They, they, playing? they would they would get Phoenix, assuming they win. So no respect for Jokic in this series. The presumptive MVP, no respect for Jokic. Well, I think with Murray Hurt, it's very hard for him to carry the whole team in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking. I still think the Nuggets can win in seven. I, I really like. I'm a Michael Porter Jr. believer, like super. I think he's going to be like super super excellent. And if he if he takes that next step, like and has a couple of monster games, I I think Denver can actually really do some things. They're gonna have to employ Aaron Gordon a little bit different. Like I think he's gonna have to do what Ben Simmons does on defense, where he guards little point guards. I think he's gonna have to guard Lillard a little bit. I think they're gonna have to just use his size and and try and mimic what Ben Simmons does in terms of guarding opposing teams' point guards. It's gonna be interesting. I. I so on the last episode, I so wanted to pick Phoenix to make it out of the West. I really, really did. And the Lakers thing scared me, but I think if I, I really think if Phoenix can get past the Lakers, I, I picked the Clippers to go to the finals, like holding my nose and I didn't feel good about it. And obviously after game one of that series, I I don't feel good about it, but I I, I do. I would love to see Phoenix do it. Yeah. I don't know. I I think, I think the Clippers, uh, you know, Paul George is the most overrated player in basketball. He's just, I don't, I don't like him. Yeah, uh, he's, he, it's, a, like, it's a tough yeah, one. He, he, and, he and Leonard are the same player. You know, there's not much difference between them on offense. Except Kawhi's just a lot better. 
Yeah, but they're, they're play, kind of there are too many people that play the same position for their team. So what's your so what's your official uh, finals prediction? Nets Portland. Nets Portland. Nets in five. Parade in parade down Atlantic Avenue with all twenty people being there. Uh, you'll see a lot of people cross over. No, you won't stop it. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, get you off the horn. No one's crossing over, please. There were 11,000 people the other day. Next is 15. 15 tonight. Half of them were Boston fans. They had to put up a video, a promotional video, buy one, get one half off tickets. Please, come on. No, get out of here. Maybe you'll be able to go to the finals. You can get Maybe. tickets to the finals. Maybe. Regardless of who they play, I am rooting like hell against them. I can't stand them so much. No. Ugh, gross. All right, Uncle Mark. All right. This was great. Thanks so much for doing it. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. It's been very sports heavy for you, boy. Playoffs, NBA, NHL. The Knicks are taking a lot of, a lot of my time, but there's been some developments in a bachelor world. So I obviously knowing how we spoke about The Bachelor, how the last season ended and the quote-unquote controversy that was ridiculous. Needed to bring back on a recurring guest. You know who it is. It's Miss Lizzie Verstendig because uh, Matt James has reconciled with Rachel Kirkconnell. It is People Magazine official. Lizzie, when you saw the update, what was your immediate reaction? I'm not surprised at all. I kind of called this earlier because my thought was I really believed and we can play the tape from before, but I believe that he really only broke up with her because he felt the outside pressure, which I understand I am not blaming him for, but I actually really did believe that he loved her and was only doing it for that reason. And now that everything's kind of died down, it makes sense that they're dating again. So when I said last time, that ABC concocted this whole thing to lean into the wokeism of America. Don't you think it's a pretty accurate at this point? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that necessarily means like we all know that Matt James has been doing his own thing and not really giving into ABC. So I think he's still, he could have in theory stayed with her and worked through it, but I think it would have, he would have gotten so much backlash. I don't know that the relationship would have survived anyway. It's probably better off for both of them that they kind of took this time apart and then came back together when there's less of a spotlight on them. So what kind of uh, doing the work, as he says, what, what kind of uh, work do you think she did to get back in his good graces like this? So interestingly enough, I mean, he's definitely been quoted lots of places doing not real interviews, but he quoted here and there. And he doesn't really bring attention to any of that. All he really says is, you know, we're now giving it a shot. We're now trying. He was quoted saying something about how she has like a beautiful heart and she's so wonderful. And he just said there was an article today that just said that um, she pretty much gave him an ultimatum because like, as we saw, he, we saw that he was talking to her, but also talking to other girls. And she pretty much said like, either you're in or you're out and like, let's move on. Good for so, her. Yeah, exactly. Good she, for her. Enough is enough already. And she went through enough crap with everyone like pulling, like ripping her apart. So um, yeah, I mean, I think he realized like, you know, ship up or shape out and that's what it is so far. It's seemingly going well. They've traveled to Miami, LA, New York. Um, so it seems like it's going well. And to be honest, I'm sure they'll be out of like the spotlight soon and just kind of be a regular couple. That's my guess. I just, the railroad job on her character was just disgusting. It was despicable. And it was despicable that ABC let it happen. Another railroad job is our guy, Chris. Now, there's the Chris Harrison angle of this. Chris obviously defended her character to Rachel Lindsay, who may be, as I've said before, one of the worst human beings on the face of the earth. Um, she should just get lost. But we know Chris isn't hosting the next couple of, um, of seasons. 
Uh, I don't know what the deal with Bachelor in Paradise is, and I understand that Chris has kind of hired legal counsel uh, for a defamation suit that's coming. So what's the latest on the Chris Harrison front? So interestingly enough, there's actually no real update. He's been very quiet. ABC has been very quiet. There's really no mention of anything other than whenever they said last time that he won't be hosting Bachelor in Paradise and the next two Bachelorettes. There's no, honestly, I don't even think that there's no conversation. I don't even think they know what's going to happen. I think they need to see kind of how the public deals with him for the next little bit and see also probably what the ratings are without him as the host. Um, I mean, I've seen him pop in and out on his girlfriend, Lauren Zima's Instagram, but other than that, he's been pretty quiet other than, um, sorry, he did come out to make a statement after, um, Colton came out, which we didn't talk about. Um, but after Colton came out as gay, um, he wrote like a whole post saying that he was proud of him and all that stuff. We'll get to that in a second, but so the theory that I've kind of had a little bit is that besides for just the woke angle that ABC was, was trying to be aligned with the, uh, the Twitter mob, as they say, is that, you know, Chris makes a, a handsome amount of money and that they wanted to downsize uh, in terms of expenses and shed his salary for a cheaper option and they use this as a way to get out from under his contract which is which is really disgusting if you think about it what say you I don't know I don't agree because I think he's such a state he is synonymous with the show which is why it's going to be interesting moving forward because it's really hard to imagine any form of the bachelor bachelorette without him and he's really helped create and make the franchise what it is to day. Um, so I don't think it would be in their best interest for that. I, and I also think they don't really want this kind of controversy with someone who represents their show. Um, but I do, if I had to put my own two cents of what I think happened, I think that Chris thought it would be maybe a short term thing. And then maybe it seemed like it was going to be more than that. And therefore that's when he kind of lawyered up. And in the end of the day, he's also like an executive or associate producer. So I don't know how much like contractually they can really get rid of him. I hope whatever legal proceedings happen that he takes ABC for a ridiculous amount of money. Ridiculous. Because as you know, this is an absolute outrage. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's, no, I, I know. Where's Rachel Lindsay these days? Like, what, what is she doing? So Rachel Lindsay was, she was hosting the Bachelor endorsed um, podcast with Becca Kufrin. Shit was trash. Straight yeah. up trash. They yeah, have but- no personality. They have no, they have no concept of how to analyze anything. They stink. Yeah, well, it's also like Becca is just like Rachel's like lapdog and like all she did. I mean, she really made it seem like she broke up with her fiance because like Rachel Lindsay told her to. Um, but anyway. What is it about this girl that everybody like, like bows down to her that they do whatever she says? It's nuts. I don't know. What is it? I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But she recently um, stepped down from hosting the podcast. You know, one of her other things of her being done with, um, you know, Bachelor Nation or the Bachelor franchise. So now Sean Lowe's wife, Catherine, is the co-host, I think, oh. to my knowledge. Punt her into the sun. Anyway. What? Punt Rachel Lindsay into the sun. I hope she's never heard from again. Well, no, I mean, she still has her podcast on The Ringer higher learning but i don't listen to it so. gross gross yeah the, i have many thoughts on the ringer that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna share right now okay so last thing on the agenda colton comes out of the closet i think we all kind of saw this coming we're not shocked what did you uh when you finally um when the news came out, what'd you what'd you think? What were your thoughts? I felt very validated because I have been saying it from the moment he walked on to the Bachelorette as a contestant, to the point where a friend of mine saw the news and texted me saying, Oh my gosh, you called it so long ago. To me, it was 
the most obvious thing for so many different reasons. And like, yes, I'm really happy that he feels comfortable to be out. Great, wonderful. I do feel like there are a lot of timing points that seem a little suspicious. Fishy, no? Considering his relationships? Yeah, so firstly, he only got out of this relationship with Cassie within the past six months because like he was living at her parents' house. He got COVID there. We also remember how he, she had to get a restraining order against him after they broke up because he put like a tracker on her car and he was stalking her. And then not only that, so now six months later, within six months later, he's over it and feels comfortable to come out as gay. And coincidentally, at the same time, is filming a show for Netflix about his journey as a gay man or coming out as a gay man. So now, do you a little think, coincidence? Yes. Do you think? Do you think he's actually really gay, or that this was uh, a spin to get out of the little legal trouble and kind of stay in the spotlight and get on people's good graces because people don't want to hate a guy for coming out? So I think a lot of people share that viewpoint. I would like to believe in like the more positive side of I know right but you have to think about it I know but like that would be a pretty terrible thing to do I actually really do deep down believe that he is gay I think though that I, I'm concerned that the way he's coming out or maybe the way he felt he needed to come out is not going to be the best for his journey. Not, of course, that I know what it's like, but I can imagine, especially coming from his background with his religious family and being a football player, that it's probably been a big demon that he's been dealing with for a long time. And to come out like this so quickly and then do a TV show with it just seems like it's a recipe for disaster. And I'm, I'm a little bit concerned for him, to be honest. You can never not be skeptical. Like we've seen it over and over again in, in so many different walks of life where you'd like to believe the best in people, but they just let you down and everybody's just hunting for attention or trying to get out of some sticky situations. So I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked. Just like we said that we wouldn't be shocked if he was indeed gay. Just, it's too convenient, as you said. It's too convenient. Yeah, no, I know. And I know that a lot of people share that viewpoint. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to believe that people are innately good deep down inside. So I'm, I'm going to go with my theory. <laughs> makes it, it, it you know it, it, it's tough to maintain that uh, optimism but we should all try to maintain that optimism last last thing what's the latest of bachelor in paradise in terms of the filming when when is it coming what what are we um and who's gonna be the host if it's not chris so there there are like kind of whispers around but nothing definitive they they've said abc has said multiple times it is definitely happening i haven't seen anything that anything is being filmed so I don't know. There are talks that people think maybe Wells is going to be the, the host. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they're waiting to see after this season. Like maybe they're planning to film it the end of the summer and they're waiting to see how the audience responds to Tasha and Caitlin and maybe they'll make them one of the hosts. I don't know. I mean, it's weird to think that I really, we haven't heard anything, but we also know that Bachelor in Paradise is so quick that it's filmed like maybe six weeks, if not less, maybe like a month. So maybe they're just kind of waiting to see how everyone responds to the next season. I mean, starting next week. So, and then kind of go from there. Well, as you know, I may or may not have spoken to somebody in a certain capacity at that works with ABC in this matter. And then I bring it up. Yeah. And I didn't get a definitive answer. So. Yeah. We'll have to see. And also, I mean, I don't know if you're planning to watch this season or, you know, what have you, but um, if you do, and we talk about it on the pod, I have a, nothing crazy, but a bit of insider information. On Katie's season. Yeah. But I'm going to save it. Give a little bit of a tease though. A little bit of a tease. Cause it's filming now. 
Yeah, there, I have some information again, I don't want to make it sound more salacious than it is, but some, some mutual friends know someone that's currently on the season. All right. I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, that's a little bit of a tease, but Lizzie, it's good to catch up, get you on the podcast again. Um, Now, I don't appreciate getting pictures with friends of mine at events that I'm not invited to. Like, I don't, I don't like that. So we can't have any more of that. I don't appreciate that, but it's always good to catch up and uh, we'll speak soon. All right. Have a good one. Later. Thanks again to my guest, my recurring guest, my uncle Mark calling in from Israel. Always good to talk to him, not just on the podcast, but in general. And uh, my bachelor, bachelorette insider, Miss Lizzie Verstendig. Again, always a pleasure to catch up with her. That's episode 114 for the love of the game. Take us out. Eating right, getting good rest, either on the bar or the phone. I'm the reason got deals the past few years. Sound anything like kiss and sign right here. And y'all just talking, I'm doing it well. JD Kiss, I'ma see you in the what? We gon' make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it. We gon' make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it. We gon' make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it. We gon' make it, we gon' make it, we gon' make it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.